Morning Liberty. I just don't think that even though we tried to figure this out, I'm not sure if time travel is possible, Nate. If you if you missed the pre-show, I mean, th- there's some good some good talk going yes. on here. Now, I was explaining to Charlie that I think what you'd have to do if you if you think about an Interstellar, uh, they were basically because of that planet's gravity and its relation to that uh, to that black hole, then they, their time was moving slower than Earth. So I think what we'd have to do is go to the sun and orbit it for a little bit. And while that might take us a few years, it might be like 100 years go by on Earth. But really, I guess that's not time travel. I mean, you didn't go back anywhere technically. Everyone else just got older. They all just, it's like they, it's like the whole planet time travel. Well, you didn't. That's yeah. kind of what happened at that point in time. I don't think, uh, I think that's dangerous. Well, it does sound, it, it sounds hot, really. Yeah. sounds hot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, John Mayer wrote a song about it, too. The hot? That's the gravity. Gravity. Yes. Yep. Um, Charlie and I, we solved time travel one time in our apartment after a long shift at Olive Garden. Actually, I think, I thought we were in your trailer. But, no, that was like we back were... in high school. Well, I don't know. We might have done it multiple times. I thought we were on that on the poker table in, in the apartment. Might have, yeah. Writing it down. Might I don't have been know. then, too. It could have been. It's, it's something we think about every day. Yeah, yeah. And we've got a plan written down for it. Um, it's just we, we'd like to take care of more important matters first, yeah. like this podcast. Mm-hmm. That's right. So, um, you should subscribe to the podcast. Charlie, have you subscribed to the podcast? I have subscribed, and uh, you know, I get my daily dose of Good Morning Liberty, and it's uh, it keeps me up to date. Good, good. <laughs> This, you know, we're growing really quick. Like, you always hit these ups and downs with the shows. You can see a lot of plays go for one of them and then lower and lower. And what we found is uh, our low amount of plays is is so much more than what it used to be. I mean, man, it, it's really cool how many people are sharing the show. Every single time we share it on Facebook, something like that, we're, we're getting tons of people listening and uh, I guess telling their friends, telling their family members about it. And they must be hitting subscribe. They're taking hitting, advantage of that sip and scan coupon code. They're, they're hitting subscribe. For, is there still a sip and scan on this thing? I believe there is. It does actually say sip and scan on the Coke can, by the way. It does. Um, and so that we also do that for our subscribe button. Just sip and scan a little bit of Good Morning Liberty. And we will provide you with the juicy libertarian goodness day after day that your body needs mm-hmm. <laughs> filled with liberty uh today we're talking about the climate change i yeah. guess right yeah we're gonna do a little bit of climate change discussion and uh what other topic do we have nate well i pulled a couple other things i wanted to at some point in time talk about the tax cuts uh i've read some articles about how they're not having the desired effect uh and then i also wanted to talk about this cool I don't know, kind of cool idea uh, in theory that Newt Gingrich has put out. Basically, that he thinks $2 billion should be awarded to the private company that sets up a base first on the moon. And I'm not a big fan of money being stolen from me and then awarded to other people for doing things, but I do think it, it provides a really good glimpse into the incentive structure of people and the fact that uh, it's it's kind of like capitalism, although the money is not freely given. But all the all the things that those companies could go to, could go through to receive that reward and to uh, receive the honor of being the first person on the moon, the first private company on the moon, 
it would be really neat to see all the innovations and all of the uh, the creative things that come out of that. It's not not too crazy. Elon Musk thought it was a really good idea, and I generally uh, I follow him on Twitter, and he's always interesting to to see what he's saying. So uh, he also had something to do with why we talk the way we do about climate change now, right? I mean, just a little bit differently. Who Elon Musk? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. He did. Um, you know, you're not supposed to expand that much when you're introducing. Just introduce the topic, you know, and you oh. just want to tell everybody all about it. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, that was the whole thing, right? That was pretty much the no, whole we're, thing. No, we're going to talk more about. We that, did that segment I first. To, I got something to say. <laughs> I got something to say. But first, climate change. So there was this conversation spawned um, on the great web of Facebook. And uh, a friend of mine had, had made a post that he had read an article, and I found the article. Actually, Nate, you found it. Uh, a few articles. The Prince Harry basically uh, flew his private jet to the to the latest uh, climate change speech awareness thing or whatever. And uh, in the last two weeks, he's flown his private jet four times. Now, this isn't a jet full of people. It's just a couple people in there. Yeah. Him and, him and Markle. That's how you pronounce your name, right? Markle? Sure. Sure. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they're just out there raising awareness, you know, they're, they're raising awareness about, uh, climate change and, and all of that and how, um, it's, it's something that he, uh, well, sorry, they went to the green summit organized by Google. Um, and he delivered a a speech barefoot because I guess shoes, if you wear shoes, (laughs) then there's something about climate change and shoes. Okay. Probably maybe um, the rubber. I guess so. I guess so. <laughs> and uh, he's doing that to raise awareness, but apparently they're saying that he lacks awareness given that he flew to the conference on a private jet. Okay. Now, so this kind of spawned a, a, a conversation because the, a friend of mine didn't like the fact that people were trying to divert from the conversation by talking about how Prince Harry says he believes that climate change is a disaster and that yet he flies on his own private jet. Now, I agree with people who have that sentiment because he is being a hypocrite because there's one thing to say that you believe something and then there's another thing to actually act it out. And one of the biggest problems I have with, uh, let's say, climate change alarmists is they don't act out what they believe at all. If you truly believed, and I think you pulled a great clip from uh, AOC, mm-hmm. yeah. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. If you truly believed that the world was ending in 12 to 100 years or whatever, or if we were reaching the point of no return, if you really believe that, then you would act it out. That's all I'm trying to say. And I don't even know, like, you might be right. I don't know. Because as you mentioned, Elon Musk did change our perspective a little bit. There is something to be said, and he put it really simply, is we're taking carbon out of the ground. And carbon is in all kinds of forms. It's natural gas and oil. And all of that is very, very compressed, condensed carbon um, that we use for fuel. And we burn it, we vaporize it, and then it goes into the atmosphere. So we're taking carbon out of the ground and we're transferring it to the atmosphere. We don't know what kind of effect that really has. So. Is the climate changing? Possibly. Do humans have an effect on that change? Possibly. Here's the thing. To what extent and what drastic measures do we need to take to make sure that we thwart this impending 
catastrophe. That's the discussion that I don't think people are taking seriously because people like AOC and Prince Harry and especially those on the extreme left want to do things like the Green New Deal that would put people in economic ruin where it wouldn't even matter if we save the planet because it's not mathematically possible to pay for all the things that need to be paid for for this crazy, insane Green New Deal. Do you, do you want to know how serious this is, Charlie? Do you want to know? I want her to tell me this how serious. Is, I'm upset. I'm upset right now. Let me use my emotional heartstring. Yes, let me pull put in. my my uh, cool trendy glasses this on issue this is a quality of life issue you want to tell people that their concern and their desire for clean air and clean water is elitist tell that to the kids in the south bronx which are suffering from the highest rates of childhood asthma in the country tell that to the families in flint whose kids have their blood is ascending in in lead levels their brains are damaged for the rest of their lives call them elitist You're telling them that those kids are trying to get on a plane to Davos? People are dying. They are dying. (laughs) God bless. Does she not even hear what she's saying? (laughs) Apparently. So the kids in the Bronx, well, okay, possibly. But I just want to get to the kids in Flint, Michigan, whose blood levels are full of lead uh, from water they drank that went through lead pipes that the government controls. (laughs) <laughs> that's a, like how did that get brought into a sentence about climate change being a serious issue no idea <laughs> no idea and you know what's funny that's not funny you know what's crazy about all this the new district attorney that got elected for michigan dropped all charges against anybody that had that had charges against them for allowing this to happen oh must be not nice to be what part happened of the government was the government of flint michigan mismanaged their funds and decided to go to a cheaper water source and they didn't realize they didn't take into account the fact that they had 60, 70 year old lead pipes still running water to people's houses. And there was an, uh, an acidic thing that wasn't necessarily dangerous to humans, but it was acidic enough to extract the lead out of the pipes and put it into the water. Um, and that's exactly what happened. That issue brought to you by the government of Flint, Michigan, not brought to you by any private corporations, nothing else. We see that a lot, actually, in times that the government is managing uh, something that big or an entire industry. It reminds me of Venezuela and what happened with all of their oil companies, right? I mean, yeah. they they took all their money. They mismanaged all their money, and this part of the mismanagement was that they just gave it to all the people, which sounds nice, except for that they forgot to ever take care of their infrastructure whatsoever when it came to that. And now they weren't doing new research, no new development, no efficiency created in the oil industry. They were not fixing their refineries. They weren't taking care of their tankers. They weren't discovering, like you said, innovations. And then when the price of oil dropped, they were no longer able to keep up anymore. They, they can't have afford, reserves. Yeah, they can't afford to fix any of their machinery now because they were never planning for the future. They were never fixing any of their any of their industrial equipment, and and that's what happens when you let the government run this kind of things. They a company comes up with a way that they can remain profitable for ever, basically. Like that's and and maybe profits a dirty thing you think, but it's really not. What it actually does is it makes companies uh, keep track of whether of their innovations and all of their infrastructure, make sure they can keep going as long as possible. And the government they don't have any incentive to do that. They get to take people's money, and it doesn't matter. And 
And then eventually you get something like Flint, Michigan, which apparently uh, we can now blame on climate change. Somehow. Yeah. Yeah. Somehow. Yeah. What does the rest of that say? Uh, let me see. See what, the, uh, see what the rest of AOC has to tell us. Oh, man. I don't think I could ever be in a room where she was speaking and not just be laughing hysterically the whole time. <laughs> it's because you're a misogynist. That's that's what it is. The response is. across the other side of the aisle is well. to introduce an amendment five minutes before a hearing and a markup. This is serious. This should not be a partisan issue. This is about our constituents and all of our lives. Iowa, Nebraska, broad swaths, swaths of the Midwest are drowning right now underwater. Farms, towns that will never be recovered and never come back. And we're here and, and people are more concerned about helping oil companies than helping their own families? I don't think so. I don't think so. 2019 must be the first time we've ever had flooding. I think it is. Yeah, first yeah. time ever flooding. And those towns are never going to be recovered, by the way. That no, land's gone. It's gone. It's been boarded off. It's all, <laughs> you can't use it anymore. Yeah. It, it's never. It the was, waters haven't receded. They're only going up. It was that we've never seen dirt uh, have this kind of water come come up to <laughs> it whatsoever. It, and what, what we found is they just had to gate the whole place off. You know, the Mississippi's never flowed backwards. No. Ever. Ne- never even happened yeah. before. So actually, the, no, it did, it did actually. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Was that what well, we did that uh, a couple of, a couple of weeks ago? We talked about that, right? It was like 1907 or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember. Some kind of big the, earthquake. They said huge, it might have happened yeah, one time. Huge yeah. earthquake. The Mississippi flowed backwards. <laughs> so are people ca- causing this, Charlie? What's uh, what's our? You know, we're going to go up by a degree, and then we're all going to we're all going to bake, right? That, that's what's going to happen. Well, so that's the thing that's happening is that people are trying to say that well well first my issue is is that if you truly believe in something then don't just say it like act it out you know like if you really think that your car's emissions are going to cause the catastrophe of the earth as we know it then stop driving yeah because if you don't <laughs> then you don't actually believe it's going to happen otherwise like this one guy gave me an, an example he said if you smoked cigarettes and you got lung cancer, would you stop smoking? Now, stopping the smoking may not cause the cancer to die. Yeah. But it might give you a longer time to hopefully <clears throat> fix the problem. Yeah. So, same thing with your car. Like, you, just you, just one single person, you stopping driving your car may not solve the catastrophe that's, that's inevitable. But... It may give us a longer time to solve it. So if everybody that truly believed in climate change and how much humans cause and, and that humans are the number one cause to climate change, you guys just all stop driving. Well, couldn't they make, uh, I feel like they could make a statement by doing this too. They could yeah, turn if, off your electricity. If AOC would do this and say, well, I'm not, I'm not flying anywhere anymore. Like what well, we, we've got, we've got 12 years and then we're, and then we're, we're toast. Okay, I'm not going to fly anywhere anymore. If all these, if all these people who thought this, if Prince, uh, is it Prince Harry, you yep. know, thought this, he was like, "Oh, sorry guys, I'm, I'm not going to travel. I find that it's immoral to fly around in a plane and put all of these carbon emissions into the air, and I'm just not going to do it." If people like that would do that, and then they could start this movement, and I don't know, maybe if 50% of the country are Democrats. Uh, or liberals or people who think that climate change is something that we have to worry about right now, 
Can you imagine if that much of the country refused to do anything that was going to emit carbon into the atmosphere? If that much of the world refused to do something that was going to emit carbon into the atmosphere, the kind of movement that that would send across the world if all those people, if all those people boycotted things that put carbon in the atmosphere, you would be forced to find new ways. I mean, that, that would actually be a, a free market solution right there where all these companies would have to pop up and say, hey, um, okay, we've got to change something because all of our revenues just went down by about 50%. And so now we've got to find some kind of greener energy right now. Well, you know, except for the people that drive Teslas, yeah. uh, you would probably create jobs, you know? We would have people riding horses again, and so there would be people cleaning the streets. <laughs> So we'd have we'd have those jobs available. People cleaning the streets. Pooper scoopers. <laughs> you know, those jobs would be back. And look, what I said to him and this other guy who joined in on the conversation is that what I'm not okay with is people in positions of power like Harry and AOC and Bernie Sanders uh, saying that I need to alter my behavior because of an, of an inevitable catastrophe while doing nothing of the sort for their own life. I'm all for solving the problem and having the conversation. Just don't say it's the greatest threat, then fly your private jet everywhere. That's not acting out what you say you believe. The other issue I have with climate change is we just don't know enough. We don't know enough. We can't accurately predict. Well, first of all, we don't even know if we accurately ac accurately know the global temperatures over the last hundred years. We don't even know if they're accurate. Yeah. Right? Because how do you how do you qualify that? Right? There's a great example. Uh, I read this uh, article from the from the Hoover Institute. And uh, there was a great example from this article that talked about um, the the measurement error. And he gave a good example. He said, Imagine that you're timing a high school track athlete running four hundred meters at the beginning of the school year. The first time you do it, you measure them at 56, 56 seconds with your handheld stopwatch. And what he's talking about here is the measurement error of the of the climate models. So we have computer models, models that use physics and stuff like that. Because here's the big problem that we have. The biggest problem that we have is we don't have a way to create an atmosphere that re, that's the Earth's atmosphere and then run experiments on it. We can't like pump it full of carbon and say, Oh, look, the temperature went up or take carbon out and say, Oh, the temperature went down. We can't do that. Right. So what they do is they build these models and it's based on physics and it's computer and it calculates like energy flows into and out of our planets, land, the water, the atmosphere and all that. Well, the problem with this is they have massive uh, margins of error. And there's three reasons why, there's a lot of errors with these computer models. Uh, the first one is a, is a measurement error. So the thing about it is, is that we don't have machines. We don't have models that are complicated enough or, or that are, um, let's say they can't measure small enough for the complications of the earth's climate. And so he gives an example of a measurement error here. So you time this guy running 400 meters, you do it 56 seconds and you have a handheld stop stopwatch and it reads to the hundredth of a second. Right. And so then imagine your reaction time is 0.2 seconds. So you're two tenths of the second reaction time, you know, so there's error. You got error there. You don't know exactly how fast this guy ran it. Well, 
at the end of the school year, you measure them to be 53 seconds. The difference between the two times is far larger than the resolution of the stopwatch combined with your imperfect reaction time, allowing you to conclude that the runner is indeed now faster. So 53 seconds is faster than 56 seconds. But let's try to measure this out, right? To get an idea of the runner's improvement, you calculate a trend of one-tenth of a second per week. That's three seconds in 30 weeks. But if you try to retest this runner after half a week, trying to measure the, the expected five-hundredth of a second improvement, you run into a problem. Can you measure such a small difference with the instrument at hand? No. There's no point in even trying because you'll have no way of discovering if the runner is faster. The size of what you're trying to measure is smaller than the size of the errors in your measurements. This is what happens in temperatures. Patrick Frank is a scientist at uh, Stanford, the SLAC National Accelerator Laboratory at Stanford University. And uh, he wrote an article in 2011 called Energy and Environment. And he talks about the margin of error that happens around temperatures. And I want to read the abstract from his findings in his journal. And he's talking about the statistical errors that occur when measuring temperatures. And so the actual, the, the global temperature, he illustrates this problem here. He said that they take the monthly and annual uncertainties that were calculated using air temperature data sets from globally distributed service surface climate stations. They yielded plus or minus 0.27 degrees Celsius and plus or minus 6.3 degrees Celsius respectively. The magnitude uncertainty from 1961 to 1990 in the global air temperature annual anomaly normal entirely neglected neglected until now is found to be plus or minus 0.17 degrees Celsius. So if you combine the magnitude uncertainty with the previously reported plus or minus 0.46 degrees Celsius lower limit of the measurement error, that's the lower limit between 1856 and 2004, so 1856 is pre-industrial revolution, right, to 2004. The global surface air temperature anomaly with its 95% confidence, because that's how they, they rate it. They rate that the, the temperatures that we've, we've recorded from 1856 to 2004 have a 95% confidence in them. But they say between 1856 and 2004, the temperature has risen 0.8 degrees Celsius with a margin of error of plus or minus 0.98 degrees Celsius. So the margin of error is larger than the actual temperature rise that they say happened because plus or minus, which means it could be 1.7 or it could be, uh, could have cooled off actually. So thus the global average surface air temperature trend is statistically indistinguishable from zero. And he goes on to say that regulatory policies aimed at influencing global surface air temperature are not empirically, empirically justifiable. And this is exactly what I was trying to tell my friend, is that we just don't know enough to throw things like the Green New Deal out, which would cost, Jesus, what is it, $68 trillion over 10 90 years? 90-something trillion. 90-something trillion. 92 over, trillion, I think. Like we... If you took 100% of everyone's income in the United States, 100% of it, and you put it into the coffers of the government, it wouldn't even equal $9 trillion. It's 90 something trillion over 10 years. Yeah. So you're looking at, nine, let's say, $9 trillion a year on the conservative end. 
we don't even have enough money for nine trillion a year if you took everyone's money. Yeah, that's that kind of pinpoints uh, kind of an error in in this line of thinking in that uh, we don't have to worry about how much things cost. You know, it's not not a big deal. It's if the cause is great enough, then we can then we can just find a way to pay for it. And what they fail to realize is that the economic catastrophe that could come from a plan like this could actually be far worse than whatever damage might be caused by some type of climate change that we don't even know for sure is going to happen. Uh, we, you know, and we're saying we, we agree that there could be a, chi- a change in the climate that is caused by human beings. There could be. Now, I I don't know that that's been proven for sure. They well, that's call, the thing. We don't know to what extent. No. And, and we don't know how big the problem actually is. And we don't know if we can do anything to stop it. We, and we, yeah. We don't even know if we can do anything to stop and it. And we don't know if the things that we do to stop it are actually going to be worth doing because we might kill hundreds of millions of people due to poverty and mass starvation in the process. Right. So it's it's not obvious that we should just take all of this money and put it into the government's hands. It's perfect what you just said. It's At not all. obvious. Yeah, it's but the solution to this problem, if it is one, isn't obvious and people need to take it more seriously. And this is what I get so mad about is one. I get mad about hypocrites. Like if you're not if you say you believe one thing, you're not going to act it out. Then I, I just don't even trust you. The second thing is, is if it is even a problem, it's not obvious what the solution is. And here we are. We have, you know, and look, I'm not saying that she's not smart, but you have 26 year old AOC coming out with this green new deal saying that this is a solution. And you don't think for a second, you want to tell me that, you know, corporations, all they do is care about money. You don't think for a second that these research scientists aren't doing what they're doing to make sure they get grant money for their research. Well, there's yeah. <laughs> billions of dollars that the government hands out for climate change. I didn't look it up, but I know I've read uh, I've read papers before from people. I've read uh, articles before from scientists saying that they it's well known that if you want to get government funding for your project that says, uh, you know, I'd really like to study the African turtle sex habits. Yeah, I'd really like to do that. And the government's not exactly just going to be handing over money. So what you do is you say, I would like to study the uh, the African turtle sex habits and the effect that climate change has on them. Yes. And then you'll get money at that point in time. So we have all this money that's flowing specifically to people to show this all the time so that you've got some skewed data already because there's not exactly a free market for scientific research right now where we're all putting in money to pay scientists to research things. So you have a... You have a skewed data set on the part of um, only people who want to prove that climate change is a thing caused by man and the government should stop it. Only those people are the ones that are going to get money to do anything right now. So you're not even getting all the right information. And we don't even know. We, You know, we're, project, we're predicting 100 years out into the future what we think the change is going to be. And we've heard... Jordan Peterson say stuff like this before, but the the margin of error on that is so great that with the errors compound over time, you can't even make an accurate prediction at all. You know, there's something around a statistic that is called a, 
a uh, standard deviation. It's that's your. It's kind of your plus or minus that Charlie was saying. Mm-hmm. The the plus or minus nine point nine eight degree or degrees Celsius right. or whatever it was. So that that's a standard deviation around around the line that you're going to have going across time. And what happens is the further you go into time, the wider that standard deviation gets. And you can't account for what all those things are going to be that are going to cause errors to compound on one another 50 years from now, let alone 100 years or 1,000 years. They compound. It's it's like interest. It's not just like plus 0.98 degrees Celsius for the next 1,000 years. It's plus 0.98 degrees Celsius over the last 150 years, and then that's going to compound on itself over and over again and keep like an annual and interest and rate. keep growing to where a hundred years from now you got a margin of error of, of 0.5 or of five degrees Celsius and we're saying that we know for sure that we're gonna raise two degrees Celsius in a hundred years. You really don't. It's it's like it's just not we we know a hundred percent that this is going to happen, but we have a margin of error of plus or minus one hundred percent. So it's <laughs> you know it's you can't take that to the bank right there at all. And the, the other thing they're saying is that two degrees is two. If we raise two degrees mm-hmm. pre-industrial temperature, which we're at, <clears throat> they're saying we're at point, anywhere from 0.8 to 1.5. Yeah. If we reach two, then we've reached the point of no return. That's but, what they're trying to tell. That's what they're trying to sell you on this. But the models themselves, even the, the six models that the IPCC ran. Yeah. First of all, none of them even predicted what happened in uh, British Columbia, which I thought was interesting. And the other thing was, is that all of them, all six of them were off by as much as 2.5 degrees Celsius Hmm. when they ran it for historical trends. And so to say we're going to reach two degrees uh, above industrial temperatures, pre I'm sorry, pre-industrial temperatures by the year 2100, you know, you don't know that. Yeah. And is it a possibility? <clears throat> yes. I'm not saying it's not a possibility, but what I'm saying is you can't predict. We don't know how to predict that yet. And we don't even know <clears throat> kind of on the, the broader view of just looking at earth and the amount of time that we've been here. We don't even know what the natural state of earth is. I know that that's crazy, but we've measured like nothing of earth so far in relation to like the four or five billion years that it's been here meaning that we don't know let's say our average temperature is 72 degrees or is is uh 55 degrees celsius and that's what the temperature is that right now and we need it to stay that way like we don't know that that is what earth was meant to do in the first place. It's just the time frame that we've been living in. So we don't know if it's on its way up to 90 or up to 150 or back down to zero. We, we don't know any of those things. And what I always, what I always have an issue with are, are articles like this. I pulled up another one. I think I sent it to you earlier, Charlie too, but look at this headline from CBS news. This is where I start to, and, and honestly, if they want people to take them seriously, this goes for the scientists or the journalists, anyone who really cares about this. We've got to stop having headlines like this. From CBS News, July was the hottest month ever recorded on Earth. Okay, so that's true. That it, it says this summer hasn't just felt like the hottest ever. 
It actually has been. Well, first they lied in that first sentence. The hottest month ever recorded. Uh, July 2019 is now officially the hottest month on record. Now, this is important. The next comma, I'll say that. July 2019 is now officially the hottest month on record, comma, since record keeping began 140 years ago. Hmm. That's a pretty important line at the end of that because we have a headline that says July was the hottest month ever recorded on Earth. And then we have a, a first line that says this summer is the hottest ever. And then we say since record keeping began 140 years ago. Now, I, I looked it up and, and the consensus is that Earth has been here for about 4.5 billion years. We'll, we'll use the scientist timeline on that because they're the ones calling the climate change such a, such a big deal anyway. So they all think that Earth has been here for 4.5 billion years. Probably has been. So <clears throat> we're measuring 140 years of temperatures accurately, as accurately as we can. Now, the Earth's, the Earth's only been here for about 300 years. Yeah. <laughs> so we got about half the Earth's temperatures uh, semi-accurately recorded. Yeah. And I think I did, I think I said this in one of our podcasts a few weeks ago, but um, the amount of time that we've measured accounts for 0.0000001% of the amount of years that Earth has been here. That's how much of it we've measured. Yeah. Now, there's no credible scientist that will tell you that if you... If you go and you study a mile around your house, you just go study a mile around your house. There is no credible scientist that will tell you that you can now accurately predict what all the conditions are for the next 32,140,000 miles. Because that's actually what it is in relation to the amount of time that we've been on Earth. It's, it's 32 million times more than the amount of time that we've measured. Just temperatures. Just temperatures. So you go drive a mile. Just look back and forth on the road. Stick your hand out the window. Look around. And then tell me if you can say, okay, well, obviously I know everything about the next 32 million miles that I'm going to go. Or, obviously, I know everything that I'm going to encounter if I drive around the earth 1,285 times, I just know everything because I just studied this mile that's around my house. That's ridiculous, but that's what we're doing with our climate change model. That's what we're doing in these articles where we say, this is the hottest month ever. No, you don't know that. It's the hottest month ever recorded, which is the last 140 years out of 4.5 billion years that the earth has been here. You have no idea what months have been hotter than this? You know what's crazy is we actually keep increasing the Earth's age. Yeah. Because as we study more things, we realize uh, we think the Earth might have been here longer. Yeah. We change, scientists change things all the time. At one point in time in the 1800s, it was a general scientific consensus that a human being could not ride on a train because if a human being traveled more than 40 miles per hour, it would explode. The human. Hmm. They thought that. That that was a scientific consensus at one point in time. At one time, there was also a scientific consensus uh, in the, what was it, 1600s? <clears throat> I think that if you had a disease, the best course of action was to bleed out. Yeah. Yeah. 
coming from your medical professionals. That's it. Always makes me think so, about that next time you want to listen to a doctor. <laughs> it, makes, it makes me so angry because no matter how smart these people are, these theoretical physicists are, and I, and I love a lot of them. I listen to them all the time. But no matter how smart they are, they never take in consideration the fact that a hundred years from now people are going to look back at them and laugh at how stupid they were and how they, they thought this, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. That's what we do right now. Are you kidding me? They thought this in the early night, they thought this in the 1700s. That's ridiculous. People are going to be saying the same thing about us a few hundred years from now. But so we can't just assume that the science is settled, which is what they say. All it's settled. The science evidence is, never, is everywhere. Science is never settled. It, it isn't. That's yeah. not science anymore. Right. If it's if it's settled, it's no longer science because science is the continue the continuation of questioning things. And again, I'll reiterate here that um, I don't know the answer. I really don't. And there's a lot of things. But but what I'm saying is, is that for you to say that the evidence is clear and we have to do something about it, kind of like the Green New Deal or whatever it is, then you're all you're doing is speaking to the fear. And I think as a species, like we've always done anytime there's ever been any sort of problem that we face, we've figured out a way to survive. Otherwise we wouldn't have been here. However long humans have been here. How long has it been now? We don't know. Uh, I know the the mm, earliest like 300,000 years is kind of what they say. Something like that. Well, actually they say between, 300,000 to like 10 million. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the, the range. We don't even, we don't mm-hmm. even know how long humans have been here. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Plus the, you know, back when dinosaurs roamed around, the temperatures were hotter then, weren't they? And they've been colder. Than I, would, I would assume so. Every little, every little thing I watched about dinosaurs, there was always a volcano erupting somewhere. Right. So it had to be hot. Yeah, way hotter. It was like a desert all the time, and, yes. and volcanoes erupting in the background. Mm-hmm. So, now I'm not <laughs> saying that we can't do things to protect the environment. I think we should. Um, but uh, there was another guy who worked at the UN. I can't remember his name now. Christopher. Gosh, dang it! I'm gonna have to look this up. Uh, his name was Christopher. I can't remember his last name. A scientist who was working at the UN. Who, you know, they were they did this whole thing where they said, you know, what you were top things that we should work on. And what he discovered was that if you raise people's economic viability to a point of about $5,000 a year, which isn't very much, but if, if they're able to make at least $5,000 a year, they start to care about the environment more. And so maybe a better solution to this problem is getting people uh, to an economic stance to where they actually start caring about the, the environment voluntarily. And also, look, the other thing I'm not saying is I'm not saying, you know, the few evil corporations that are out there that do cause harm to the environment for a profit, that we shouldn't do something about that either. Yeah. But the vast majority of corporations, you know, one comment that was made to me was, well, corporations care more about money than they do our planet surviving. And it's like, if you think about it, if the planet, if the earth doesn't survive, corporations stop making money. (laughs) There's, if everyone dies, there's no money to be made. Yeah. And so 
there's no way that corporations can care about profit over the longevity of earth herself, because if earth goes, so do all the profits. So there's no correlation there. Well, the, you know, that's, that's actually one of the things that, uh, I think it's Tom Woods always says about regulations. You know, you assume that if you remove regulations that everyone, that a business would just sell you a toaster that explodes and kill you. Like, like they, they don't want to kill their customers. They don't want to kill themselves right. either. And if they do really care about profit, then they would want everyone, as many people, to be alive as possible. And I was trying to look up uh, some of these statistics, but as far as uh, what I remember hearing, the United States accounts for a fairly small portion of the entire world's greenhouse gas emissions. I believe China is the biggest one. And so what a lot of people on the right will say is that if we don't get China to do to agree to do something – then there's no point in anyone doing anything, really, because without them changing their policies, then then really nothing nothing would happen whatsoever. I did want to bring up one possible solution, though. It's good to it's good to talk about solutions sometimes. It's you know maybe not just be so anti everything, maybe pro something. I think I know what your solution might be. Part yeah. of it. I uh, I saw this story. I first saw it on a website called the uh, goodnewsnetwork.org. Uh, and then I I actually saw it again posted on humanprogress.org. Both really good websites to go check out. Humanprogress.org is really Especially cool. if you want good news. Yeah. Um, if you want to just look at something good, look at how some of these solutions that are actually happening. This is from a few days ago, but the article is, this tasty seaweed reduces cow emissions by 99%, and it could soon be a climate game changer. Hmm. Now, what they found, this, uh, this research group in Australia found that they had this natural occurring, the, the seaweed around their coast, that if they took and put into their cattle feed at a 2%, I believe, portion of the cattle feed, that it actually reduced the carbon emissions, that is the belches and farts that come out of the cows, it actually reduced their carbon emissions by 99%. Now, that's mm. that's a pretty big deal because people have been talking about how, how much... That I've even seen pushes for people to go vegan to help stop climate change. And that's because of all the cattle that we're raising and how many emissions are being put out by them. So I, I look to see and... Um, Cattle actually account for about 15% of our world's carbon emissions. Wow. And what this is basically... How long have cows been farting for? Quite a long time. Quite a long time, I think. like pre-industrial revolution, right? Yeah. But I think now what they're saying is we've we've basically produced a lot more of them than naturally would have been produced, and we're keeping them... You know, so we can so we can eat them. So we're we're raising more and more of them, so more and more people can eat their cheeseburgers. So this is pretty cool because if cows account for fifteen percent of our planet's dangerous carbon emissions, then this seaweed is actually found to reduce the emissions from cattle by ninety nine percent. Effectively, all of it gone. Yeah. So that's a fifteen percent decrease. That is the biggest thing that has been proposed 
whatsoever. That is by far above every other plan that has come out. Now, this happened because the Australian government mandated well, they might this have, research group I'm not sure. they researched this naturally occurring seaweed. They might have. I, I don't know if they did or not. I think it was actually done at a college. So before we go too far on that, more than likely being in Australia, it is a public college, I would assume, uh, since everything What I'm free. saying is a bureaucrat <clears throat> didn't. No, no. The it, did, uh, it wasn't a decree handed down from a, no, from a bureaucrat. No, it, it was just some people trying to find a way to solve our climate problems. Imagine that. Yeah. So this is a big deal because it would cost like almost nothing to do. It's a, something that grows and then you would just feed it to cattle. Now, sure, it would cost money to grow it and to... Uh, do whatever needs to be done to it to put into the cattle feed, that would cost money. But it would be hundreds of billions of dollars less than other proposals that we have. Probably trillions. Yeah, probably trillions of dollars less. So, And Prince Harry and everybody else can still fly on their private jets. Yeah. I don't want people to think that we're just on here, you know, just going off about how we hate everything that everyone's doing all the time or that we just want to sit back and do nothing and uh, and let the world destroy itself. There are actual solutions that people are coming up with that can actually solve the problem without throwing the world into economic turmoil in the process. And that's the best thing that, that could happen for everyone is for this very, very cost-effective solution to hopefully be implemented around the world. They just announced they found this a few days ago, so I don't know what's going what's gonna to come from it. Um, but But that's a big deal. And you have people like Elon Musk out there, who we mentioned earlier, that are inventing new ways for, uh, I don't know, for rockets to go up and fly themselves back, you know, to save products like that. They're, he's got a, a company called Solar Roof, where instead of shingles on your roof, you're going to put solar panels. Uh, so they, they do that kind of thing. You've obviously got, Tesla. Obviously Tesla's electric cars. Um, I don't know what the emissions are from the people who make the batteries, but there's probably something to be said for making these electric cars that have like 600 horsepower so people don't think that electric cars are weak and, and they're and they're economically viable yeah you know you can get the what is it the model uh 3 the model 3 for yeah. it's thir- like 30 grand yeah in the mid 30s i think yeah you probably have to wait like 4 years for it but it, yeah yeah but that's, still and i think he he announced the truck Coming out in 2020, that's going to start at, uh, or it's going to be below 50 grand. I think he said 49,000 for a truck. Yeah. Which is, I mean, that's about a truck price. He's also testing our world's first ever defense against an asteroid strike uh, in 2021. I saw they're sending something up to collide. It's going to go out and test a collision with an asteroid. I don't know how many years it'll take to get there. But anyway, that's going up in 2021 so they can see, prove the effect of a of a mass collision with an asteroid out in space to stop it from, from hitting. That way, we don't have to take some of the world's best oil drillers and send them up and, and risk their lives yeah. to blow up the asteroid because that, that would really send our economy backwards, I think. Right. So, you know, we need those guys to stay down. For sure. So, I mean, he also just... he also wants to uh, thermo uh, thermo nuke the poles of Mars. I saw to, that to melt the caps, which would release the gases into the atmosphere, which would create clouds on Mars and trap more of the heat. <laughs> yeah, and possibly create Make an uh, atmosphere living conditions. Uh, that's been a long a long standing 
theory that if you uh, if you melted if you melted the ice caps on Mars that it would create its own atmosphere. It actually reminds me of the movie um, Total Recall that uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger was in, and there was a uh, <laughs> they live on Mars, and there's this of course this evil corporation that is running Mars at this point in time, and they know that there's a way to melt the ice caps and create an atmosphere, but instead. They are uh, keeping that secret so they can sell air to people and price gouge them and keep them in poverty and live off of all the money that they had to pay for air. So that yet another example of how evil corporations are even ruining Mars. Oh, man. You know? <laughs> Predicting the future. I know. I know. But anyway, it's good to, good to throw out a solution. It's good to realize that maybe, maybe there are some solutions to this that aren't going to cost $92 trillion, you know? Uh, we don't need a lot more Al Gore's out there taking planes around all over the place, talking about how you shouldn't take planes around all over the place. You know, that's that's not really going to... I would just say to those people who really believe this, like Charlie was saying, um, stop traveling. Just stop. Act out what you believe. Create a movement. Ironically, stop traveling so you can create a movement. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, make it make this big media storm about how you're not going to use any of these evil polluting machines anymore. Yeah, if you use electricity, that's likely coming from coal, coal-fired yeah. plants, you it, know, that produce your electricity, so They're so against nuclear and I I don't know why why everyone's so against that. I mean, I guess it's scary if the plant melts down or something like yeah. that, but I mean, there's like no emissions. It's by far the most co- cost-effective way to just slow down all of our carbon emissions. It's just really dangerous. I guess. Because if it melts down, then that, that really causes some problems. We're we're probably going to get hit by an asteroid before any of this stuff happens anyway. Yeah. More than likely. Unless Musk can, can stave off. Yeah. So we'll keep you up to date on that. Follow us. <laughs> Follow us on Instagram. We're watching all asteroid, the asteroids. Asteroid watch. Asteroid watch. We'll, we'll create a new catastrophe. We'll, we'll, let, we'll let you know. Do you have anything else on climate change? No, that's, I think I've exhausted my mental capacity for okay. climate change today. Okay, okay. So let's move on to uh, what you've already talked about at the beginning of the show, but I wanted to elaborate further. Yeah, oh, well, speaking of Elon Musk, uh, he was in favor of this. Newt Gingrich has came out with a plan to, to award $2 billion to the private company that can set up a livable human conditions on the moon. And uh, they'll be awarded $2 billion by the government. Now, I'm not in favor of my money being taken and given to anyone, but I thought it was really interesting how they can bring up this kind of this incentive uh, to maybe spark I, some kind of space race. I, don't I will know. say it's le- to me, it's less theft. Like it's moving in the right direction. Yeah. Because if the government were to take on this, it would probably cost a trillion dollars. Yeah. Because you look at the program right now, like they've got a mission to go back to the moon in 2022. 2024 they, right now. 2024. Yeah. What's it called? I don't remember, but I remember uh, I read in that they're same like article. They're like $100 billion over budget. Yeah. They're severely behind schedule. And now they're even going to use, uh, you know, uh, SpaceX or yeah. Blue. Uh, what's Amazon's? Jeff Bezos' company? Blue Origin? Blue, Blue Origin, Something yeah. like that, yeah. Mm-hmm. They're going to use a private company now. Because they're so far over budget and they don't know what they're doing, basically. I, honestly, uh, this would not be a popular decision, so I would recommend he wait until he gets a second term. But with Blue Origin and SpaceX out there, 
we need to just go ahead and get rid of NASA, man. I mean, they're not doing anything. They're they everything they do costs more. Mm-hmm. It's a big waste, big waste of space right now. So, it's a just a big waste of money for them to be out there uh, inefficiently doing things all the time. I think we've proven maybe we needed them in the fifties and sixties to get all of this started. Sure, maybe we needed them. It doesn't mean that we need them now. We've got we've got the brain power, the capacity, and the capital from all these other companies. Well, clearly you hate science. I must hate, I hate science. I just, I just dashed a lot of little kids' dreams right there, <laughs> you know? Uh, but no, I mean, SpaceX, what it, NASA was, it was costing NASA $600 million to send a satellite in the space. And they were doing it, they were wasting the rockets afterwards. They weren't reusing them like Elon Musk is. And he's came up with this way to send satellites in the space, and where it used to cost NASA, it used to cost NASA six hundred million dollars to do this. SpaceX does it for sixty million dollars, a tenth of the price, to do this, mm-hmm. and it's not of your money. It's you know, it's it's all free market incentive here. And I know SpaceX took some government grants to get started, but it's all been paid back. It was smart of Musk to take that money. It was available. Free money. It was available. Take yeah. it. Sure. He paid it back. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. Take Faster it. than he was supposed to. He would have had the money to do it regardless. He just took the free money that was sitting there. That was a, it was a smart move. Probably for a cheaper interest rate than the than the VC people would have exactly. taken. So, anyway, uh, we really do believe that there's a lot of free market innovations that can that can solve a lot of these problems. And the reason that the maybe a race to get to the moon excites me is because when we were racing to get to the moon the last time, all kinds of new things were invented in that process. Because as they kept saying, well, we need to be able to do this, so so they created something new to do that. Or, well, we should be able to do this, so they created something new to be able to do that. Computers really took off. Yeah, I mean, plastic. All kinds of things came out of... not All kinds of things came out of the space race. Heat shield stuff. Yeah, I mean, just... So if you can imagine the... If you can imagine the technology we're at right now and then making that same advance again in a new race to get there, there could be all kinds of cool stuff come out of that. So that's the exciting part to me. It's not even getting to the moon because who cares? But we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings from this competition. So it doesn't matter which private company makes it. Everyone's going to get a trophy. Yes. They'll each get get a moon trophy. Blue Origin will get a participation trophy. Yes. Yeah. So you're calling it SpaceX is going to win this one. Um, you know, tell the truth, I think that Blue Origin would probably win it more than likely. Really? Yeah, Bezos has got way more money. I I think I think he's going to end up hurting SpaceX a lot. But does he have the people? I don't know. He I guess he could pay SpaceX's people more money and maybe they'll quit it, and go work well, for them. Well, I mean, SpaceX is profitable now, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so but doesn't mean that Bezos wouldn't just be able to offer those scientists more money. True. Cuz all scientists care about is money. That's what we talked about at the beginning of the program. So yeah. selfish, <laughs> selfish money grabbing people. Oh, if you want to hear more about this, follow us on Instagram at Good Morning Liberty. Followers are really getting up on it. They now. are. Twitter at Good AM Liberty. Look us up on Facebook, Good Morning Liberty. Go to goodmorningliberty.us to read all kinds of great articles about economics, social issues, and go to bernielies.com to learn 
exactly what you can say back to your annoying Bernie supporting friend that says that Bernie's going to save all of us because clearly he isn't and everything that he says is a lie. Go to BernieLies.com. Uh, and if you want to get your own Bernie Lies coffee mug, then go to our merch store. You can go to goodmorningliberty.us slash shop and grab your own little coffee mug. Accidentally leave it in the work sink. That way someone picks it up and their whole day is ruined because they realize that Bernie is actually just a liar. Maybe they'll get some good yeah. information out of it. So Maybe give them half your cup because you owe it to them. Yeah, they'll probably take half of it. Yeah. More than likely. They will. Yeah. They'll actually just see your coffee sitting on your desk and they'll drink half of it because it belongs to them. I guess so. Yeah. yeah. I like when you talk away from the mic like that. You like really, it? Does it sound better? Yeah, when you're really far back from it and you're trying to do like a room. Maybe we should do all of our podcasts like this. Yeah, I think people would like it. Probably better not. Quality. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I think that is it. Is that going to do it? Yeah. Well. Yeah. The other thing you guys can do is leave us a mother freaking rating and review. Gosh, <laughs> dang it. <laughs> Leave one of those things on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. Maybe you listen on Stitcher. And, uh, man, it feels so good to be back with you guys. I'm actually feeling better. Are you really? We I know everyone's concerned about that. We didn't get an update today. Today was like the first day I actually feel like my energy's almost back. Yeah. I didn't have to nap today. <laughs> I I've did. Been, I've been napping a lot yeah. over this last month, and it's been really uh, – I've been fatigued. Yeah. And uh, that fatigueness has left me, I think. Good. And I went to the doctor today. Yeah. Uh, I got a problem with my ear. You're going to have to get a new one installed. But I think they're going to fix that. Good. And I'm going to spend my own money on it. You don't have insurance. I don't. Nope. Mm. You know, it's crazy. We talked about that really quick. I don't have insurance and I may have to have a procedure and it, it might cost me some money. But, you know, I heard today all these people that had insurance and as they were checking out with the lady, everybody had a $35 copay. And I'm like, well, how much do they pay a month for their insurance? You know, people got to be paying like, I, even when I had insurance through a company, like company insurance, really good. Like I worked for yeah. a hospital corporation. I've got the same insurance that you used to have. Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Really, really good insurance still cost me like $120 a month. So as a single person, that was just me on there. So I imagine like people are paying anywhere from a hundred to whatever, $500 a month for their insurance policies. Yeah. And I went to this doctor today and everybody that had insurance was coming out and they were all paying $35 in copay. I went there as a self-pay patient, got a cash discount because I paid everything up front. And my total bill for my visit today was $84. That's not bad. I paid $49 more than the people with insurance. Yeah. Now, how often do you go to an ear doctor? Uh, I see mine twice a week. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder the podcast sounds so good. <laughs> but you think about that. Like I literally paid $49 more for a service. I mean, I haven't been to an ear doctor in like Jesus, 15 years. Yeah. And so $84 over 15 years. Last time I went to one was when I got fitted for my in-ear molds yeah. for, for that tour. Was, yeah, that was my, that was yeah. my too. Seven, so that was like seven years ago. Yeah. Seven, eight years ago. So that's what, look, what I'm telling you is there are cash discounts out there. So if you don't have insurance, if you do have insurance, whatever, it sucks. You still have to make the co-pays you mm-hmm. know, and that's the thing, but uh, it's really not that bad. Well, we even found right now, money. if you have to have some kind of minor surgery to get this fixed up, we actually found it still be cheaper for you to not get insurance right now because um, I had surgery on, a, you know, I had a tendon repair to my finger. And I had to get put under and everything for it. So it was a 
you know, decent little surgery. And it ended up costing, I think, about $9,000. I didn't have insurance. And it cost about $9,000 cash. Had to swipe the card before going into the surgery. So it uh, it cost about nine grand. And what we found was if you're paying, if you've got an insurance plan right now, I mean, you probably pay five grand this year just in your premium, mm-hmm. more than likely. And you'd have a deductible before they even started to do anything. You, you'd end up still paying for it the same amount or more for the surgery if you had insurance. Yeah, because you're still going to have 20%. Yeah. You know? So say it was 10 grand, so you're still going to pay 2 grand out of pocket, plus you already paid 5 grand in premiums, and you haven't reached your deductible yet, so all your other lab work and stuff that goes along with it, you're you're probably still paying yeah. 9 grand. So is that, is it our official position that everyone should drop their insurance no, right now? Okay. No, okay. no, that's not the... Insurance can be good for things. I was telling Nate, like, I probably still need to get, like, some type of catastrophic policy. I don't think you can anymore. That's illegal, but that's isn't the, it? that's the problem, yeah. is you can't. Because, like, you know, if, if I was in a bad accident and I needed to be in the hospital for, like, a month, yeah, then I, I wouldn't be able to afford that. Yeah. That would set me back. Just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, unless you guys go to our shop. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you can fund my medical bills. <laughs> yeah. You can go on GoFundMe, maybe. They raise yeah, some money may, on yeah. there. Maybe GoFundMe. I can get yeah. some charity. Yeah. But uh, that would probably set me back. But things like this, you don't need insurance for it. You know, you just don't yeah. need insurance to visit a doctor. And you shouldn't need insurance to no. visit a doctor. No, you Be- shouldn't. You should need insurance for terrible, cra- catastrophic things that probably aren't going to happen. That's what insurance should be for. Exactly. At all. You know, your car insurance does not cover gas. You know, that, that's something you're for sure going to need. Your car insurance doesn't cover an oil change. If it did, then your car insurance would be two or three times more expensive than it is right now. Insurance Whoa. is not for things that are for sure. Two or three times, probably yeah, a lot more. Probably than a lot more. Insurance is not for things that you know for a fact are going to happen at all. That's not insurance. Yes. That's health care. We didn't plan on talking about any of this. No, no. But you're right. Yeah, there's a difference between health care and health insurance. People yes. people conflate the two, but they're very different. You mm-hmm. know, you insurance is for something that probably isn't going to happen. Get that? You know, just say it like that. It probably isn't going to happen. You cannot have insurance for something that you know for sure is going to happen. That is not insurance at all. It's that's for insurance. That's for sure. So you, it's a different <laughs> thing, and that will end up costing a lot more. Why? Because they know that they're going to have to shell out twenty grand to a to a hospital for you every single month. They're going to charge you a ton of money, and so that's why that ends up costing so much. People get upset that people get upset that the insurance company doesn't want to take five hundred dollars a month from you and pay out a hundred grand a month for you. What? In what world does that make sense in any kind of way? Like, yeah, yeah. like getting upset about pre-existing conditions and things like that. That you don't get insurance for something you know you're going to have to pay for. That's you not just, what. That's healthcare, you not health insurance. You just shouldn't profit off of other people's depravity. Nate. I guess so. It's like it's the insurance company's job to just pay for people's medical expenses. I guess that's became that's become their job. Uh, where you know that you have some kind of ailment that you're going to the hospital for every single week to receive some kind of treatment or something like that, and you're racking up 50 grand in hospital bills every single month, and you think that the insurance company should be fine just receiving $500 back in the process, 
How long do you think that business model is going to work out? It's it's just not the same thing at all. It won't. No. Now, we, we can create all kinds of giant risk pools and organizations that can help people that have that have pre-existing conditions, but it's just it's not called health insurance anymore at that point in time. You're helping with people's health care right. at that point in time. So just they're two separate things. If you gave Kroger a $500 a month for your groceries, yet you consumed $1,000 a month yeah. from them. That's what everyone expects the insurance company to Kroger do. Kroger goes out of business. Yeah. Because they can no longer provide that service to you. Yeah, what you what you really you expect to pay, you expect to pay the five hundred a month to Kroger, and then go in there and get up at least a hundred grand worth of groceries from them, and and then think that nothing is going to happen to their business mm-hmm. whatsoever. I mean that, that's insane. Absolutely insane. I don't care how you feel emotionally about it. It doesn't it, get a piece of paper out and write write it down. It doesn't work. It just doesn't work. No, I did that math. Those numbers don't run. Yeah, they don't. They don't. <laughs> they don't run. Well, anyway, I guess we went over our time, huh? Yeah. We just yeah. tacked on another fifteen minutes there. Well, we run the show, yeah. so we ain't got no producers telling us what to do, <laughs> Mister Producer. <laughs> I'm the producer, and I say when this is over. Does and that it, make me the engineer? It, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and, it, and it's over now. Okay. This and, is it. Okay. So. All right. Uh, go back. What I was saying at the beginning of all this is leave that rating and review. Tell a couple friends about the show. And if you guys do that, we will be back here tomorrow and we'll do this all over again. Hope you guys have a good day and a good morning. Liberty.